Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Highway to Health Show. This is episode 14 with Christopher McKinney. In our last week's episode, episode 13, we had Regina Lawrence join us. Regina is a corporate attorney who decided to stop practicing when she realized that it was causing her to stress and she was having panic attacks. And now she's made her her mission to help others identify when this is happening and correct this so they can live more peaceful and productive lives. If you haven't listened to it, make sure you go back and listen to it. For this week's episode, though, we're featuring Christopher McKinney. Christopher runs a company called Closer to the Whole Resilience, and although he focuses on helping mostly collegiate-level athletes build and develop resilience, we talk a lot about what resilience really is and why it is such a crucial skill for us to develop and to teach our children to develop in terms of health, in terms of well-being, in terms of everyday life. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I'm sure you will enjoy it as well. This week's episode is brought to you by our Highway to Health Facebook group. This is a completely free Facebook group. If you would like to join us there and be able to go into deeper conversations about the topics that we share here and interact with me and with the rest of your fellow listeners, just go to dre.show forward slash group. If you're listening to this on a mobile device, it's actually easier. Just tap on the episode's description and Tap then again on the appropriate link. That'll take you straight there and you can request to join and we'll make sure to let you in within a couple of hours. I really look forward to seeing you there in the group. But now I won't keep you any longer. Welcome to episode 14 with Christopher McKinney. Remember, you are now on the highway to health and I am your guide to help you get there. Are you ready to live ageless? Want to discover alternative health choices, cutting edge nutrition and fitness for the entire family? Welcome to Highway to Health Show with your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy, where Dr. E helps you live ageless. And now, here's your host, Dr. E. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Highway to Health Show. I'm your host, Dr. E, the stem cell guy. And joining me today is Christopher McKinney. Christopher has been serving in the U.S. Army for 18 years. He's a Master Resilience Trainer and instructor at the U.S. Army Non-Commissioned Officers Academy. He now teaches resilience reformation to collegiate athletes in order to teach them how to live a more resilient lifestyle. And he's joining us on the Highway to Health to teach us about resilience and why it's an important skill to develop for everyone. Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to this. We've been hearing a lot about resilience and especially from former military personnel. You talk about David Goggins, you talk about all these cool guys out there, Jocko Willing, and they're all really talking about resilience and with their own twist, obviously. How would you describe resilience? Because I hear that a lot of people or I get that a lot of people really don't fully grasp what it means to be resilient. Yeah, that's a great question. So I think first I would like to make clear what resiliency is often confused with, which is optimism. Everybody thinks to be resilient, you have to be an optimistic guru. And, and that's not the case. While optimism does tie into resiliency, being resilient is a lot more than just being optimistic. I like to describe it as you have to be the golf ball and not the egg, right? So if a golf ball gets hit, it's going to be resilient. It's going to bounce forward, right? Whereas if an egg gets hit, what's it going to do? It's going to break 
You're going to have yolk everywhere. You're going to have a mess to clean up just like your life. If you get hit, you know, maybe loss of a loved one, business failure, or you don't meet a deadline at work. Are you going to bounce forward or are you going to crack and break? And now you have this big mess you have to clean up. Absolutely. I think that's a great analogy. The difference between being an egg and being a golf ball. For instance, in your case, how did you discover this? How has resilience helped you in your life and your career? Yeah, that's a great question. So to be 100% honest, I for a long time suffered with PTSD and I denied it, which obviously made it worse. And then I went through a small little bit of resiliency training. And like a lot of soldiers at the time, I was like, well, this is for weaklings. I don't need this. And then I went through the Army's two-week resiliency training. And when I did that, it really helped me get in touch basically with my inner self. And I said, you know what? I do have a condition. I do have an issue. I'm not going to hide it anymore. And so I really dove into resiliency 100%. And it helped me to kind of be true to myself. And it helped me bounce forward in life instead of being stuck in this woe is me kind of condition. I was able to really bounce forward. I was able to really understand the issues I was having. And because of that, I was able to move forward. And now here I am teaching it to collegiate athletes and fellow soldiers. Yeah, that's so important. And personally, I see that a lot as well in healthcare. You see people who have these life-changing diagnosis and they have to undergo these very strict treatments or, you know, you talk about cancer and they need to undergo chemotherapy. Maybe of them, some of them have to have these big surgeries or all these different things. And it is so important to understand that whatever happened to you shouldn't really define the rest of your life. Was that the case with you? Yeah. And you know what? I almost did let it define the rest of my life for a solid eight years. Uh, I was a miserable person to be around. I drank religiously. I smoked constantly. Like I said, I was living with a condition. However, I was denying it. But deep down, I knew I had it. I just didn't want to be weak. And so I was just miserable. And it helped me in terms of being able to get out of all that, just being able to it sounds corny, be true to yourself, right? <laughs> and the thing with these patients that you work with, they can either take whatever condition they were given and they can let it bring them down. And it's going to happen. They're going to go through stages of grief and that's perfectly normal and go through your stages of grief. But then you need to be resilient. You need to find ways to break out of. And I love this. I'm going to throw a plug in for you on one of your last episodes, Autopilot right? One way to learn how to really be resilient is to get out of your comfort zone. Don't stay in autopilot. Take the autopilot, switch off, do something that makes you feel uncomfortable, and then you'll start learning how to really be resilient. Yeah, I think it's something that happens to all of us at one point or another that for whatever reason, we're in different circumstances, whether it's professional, whether it's physical, whether it's health-related, and we think that, okay, I'm just going to hang in there and it'll go away. We try to think that everything's a cold. And that's what I tell my patients. Like not everything is a cold that your immune system is fighting and eventually will go away. A lot of these things or most of these things, we actually have to do something because if not, we're just going in that downward spiral. So I think it's very important to understand that. And what you said at the beginning that resilience isn't really optimism. It's not just saying, oh no, it'll get better or no, I'm okay, I'm okay, I'm okay, right? Like Jim Brown used to say, if you go out there to your garden, you're not taking away the weeds, 
and you're thinking, you know what? It's fine. There's no weeds. There's no weeds. There's no weeds because you're an optimism. They're going to take your garden. So that's what's very, very important to understand the difference. Now, we've spoken about obviously a situation like you, you know, you spent more than two years in combat. You came back home. You had this post-traumatic stress. I used to see very, very big diagnosis, very grave diagnosis. I still work obviously with patients, but obviously not on that extreme a lot of the times. But the average person, the everyday person, why is it important for them as well to develop this resilience? Honestly, it goes back to that autopilot. So your average everyday person, they get in steps of life. I wake up in the morning, I get the kids ready, I go to work, I come home, I cook, I clean, I go to bed. Maybe I watch TV here and there. And in that time, maybe one day they might think, man, I'd really love to do this. But they stay in autopilot. They wake up, they go to work, they get the kids ready, blah, all that stuff, right? But resiliency, right, is anytime your average everyday routine breaks, what are you going to do about it? And how are you going to get out of that average everyday routine when you have a great idea, right? So one thing I like to tell people is that you have to have goals. It's one of the things that I teach in my resiliency reformation workshop. It's hard to be resilient if you have nothing to be resilient for. So if you're living nine to five and you're in autopilot and a great idea comes and you think, oh man, I'd love to do that. Stop what you're doing. However you set goals, I have personal ways that I set goals and there's tons of goal setting techniques out there. But it's a proven fact that if you write your goal down, you are 30% more likely to achieve it. And it's also a proven fact that if you see your goal every single day, you're 10% more likely to achieve it. So you're already at 40% more likely to achieve whatever goal you have just by writing it down and putting it somewhere where you see it every day. So if you're in autopilot or something has happened in your life and you want to get down on yourself about it, don't, right? Figure out what it is you want out of life. And if something hits you, think, oh man, I got to stop right now. I'm going to write this down. This is going to be a goal and then work towards it. Wow. That's tremendous. I could not agree more with having something to be resilient for. And it can be personal. It can be, you know, for your family. It can be for something like that. But it is so important. A lot of the times, and you're absolutely right, when we're not a pilot, we're just going through life, doing what we're supposed to do, but we're not really questioning, is this what I want to be doing today? Is this what's going to get me closer to where I want to get to? And that applies for everything. I always tell this to people. And what I do, I deal a lot with people who suddenly decide that they want to switch their lifestyle and say like, you know what, enough's enough. And I want to live healthier and I want to live longer and I want to be able to live long enough to see my children and my grandchildren and great-grandchildren and be healthy to enjoy it. So I need to make some changes. And the most important thing that we always say is you need to know and you need to have a very clear goal of where you're going because there will be times where it'll get harder. It'll feel easier to just default to your regular eating schedules or to your bad habits or to your snacking or to your drinking or to your whatever it is that you used to do and that you want to change. At first, you're very excited, like, no, 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 I'm never doing that. But then come the next Friday night and you're tired and it's late night and you're like, ah, oh, yeah, screw it. It's just the one day, right? Exactly. And that can apply to everything and pretty much any other area of life. 
Yeah. And you know what? That right there is what being resilient really is all about. If you have a goal and something happens and maybe you don't achieve it, there comes that word failure. Failing and being a failure is two completely different things. It's okay to fail. When we fail, we learn. We learn how to succeed. That word failure has such a stigma around it, but it's okay. If you fail, learn from that. And then instead of being the egg and just being a big pile of yolk and goo on the ground, be the golf ball, learn from that failure, bounce forward. I always say bounce forward because I hate the term bounce back. Why do I want to bounce back? Back there's where I came from. You hear it all the time from motivational speakers, and I love motivational speakers, but it's still a phrase we use today. You have to bounce back. Why? Back there's where I came from. I want to bounce up. I want to bounce forward. And so when you have a setback, you have a goal, or like you said, you spend a week eating right. And then that first late night comes around and you're thinking, well, it's the late night. And maybe you do indulge. But here's the thing. Instead of the next day saying, well, I indulged last night, so that's it. It's over. Be resilient. Say, okay, I might have had a setback. I might have failed last night, but I'm going to continue to be resilient and I'm going to continue on this plan and work towards this goal. Exactly, exactly. That's another very common thing that happens, right? People wake up and then they cheat on their diet as they call it, or they eat something they shouldn't. And there's like, oh, screw it. The rest of the day goes out the window because I've already broken the diet in the morning. And if you're being clear about your goals, and like you're saying, if you're being resilient, then you'll say like, sure, I did have something I shouldn't have had for lunch or that didn't serve me or that didn't energize me, that didn't nourish me, but does that mean that the rest of the day is going to go down the drain and I'm just going to wreck my health, right? Exactly. And that goes with anything. Like we're talking about a simple diet. It can go from anything from a simple diet to a huge life plan. So like me, I had learned about this resiliency and I completely dove into resiliency and I learned and I researched it for hours and hours and days and days. And it started off really well. I got really good feedback. And I started this podcast and I'm trying to be on your podcast and I'm trying to write a book and I'm trying to go to these colleges. And for a little bit there, it kind of all settled. And that's where people get complacent and that's where people just give up. They're like, well, nobody's gotten back to me or I haven't really bounced forward in a while or gotten anywhere. And so they start to fall back into the wake up, get the kids ready, go to work, that life. But I teach resiliency. So of course, I'm going to say no, I'm going to be resilient. And I continued forward and I'm continuing down that path. And this isn't a pat myself on the back. This is an example. I had a setback. I had a failure. But instead of letting that get me down, I'm going to bounce forward. I'm going to be the golf ball, right? And I already have two more colleges now, which I'm so happy about because of the resilience and the persistence and continuing to bounce forward. And that's with everything. If you have a major goal in your life, it can be life-changing. It can be just you want to get promoted at work, right? You have to internally look inside. And instead of blaming other people of why you're not getting promoted, be honest with yourself and think, well, A, B, and C people are doing this, but maybe I, I'm not staying at work long enough. Resiliency, like I said, it takes a lot of internal really understanding yourself and being honest with yourself. Because if you can't be honest with yourself, you're not going to be able to bounce forward. The biggest thing is understanding the way we think, why we think the way we think. And that's a whole nother podcast. Trust me, we won't get into that one now. But understanding why we think the things we do, being honest, being truthful with ourselves, and then writing them goals down, finding out what it is we have to do. Promotion at work, diet, starting a business. There's so many examples we could give. But when you do have that setback, 
now we have to be the golf ball. Now we have to bounce forward. Exactly. And it's so crazy that you bring that up because it doesn't matter the type of person that I've been talking to recently here on the podcast. They all go back to having that moment of introspection and really figuring out why are we doing whatever it is we're doing. And it can be in terms of health. It can be in terms of how we're taking care of our kids. It can be in terms of our professional life, our personal life. We don't have those moments of introspection anymore, or we have to be very proactive in seeking and creating those moments of introspection. And I think that's where resilience really plays a big role because we've been forgetting to do these things because we simply don't have the time to think and to introspect. And it's not that we're super busy. It's that we're constantly distracted. Think about it. Most of us, and I've certainly been guilty of this myself, and I've changed it a lot in the last couple of months, but most people are never alone, are never alone, and not necessarily with another person next to them. But you even go to the toilet and you've got your phone and you get out of the car and you go into the grocery store and you're wearing your headphones and you're listening to a podcast and you're getting all this input, but we're not giving ourselves the time to stop and to process it and to digest it and to really have that introspection and say, okay, this is serving me. This is where I want to go. So the result is autopilot. Yeah. And you know, I can't agree with you more. And I think it's very important to understand we need to limit ourselves on screens. In my family, no phones are allowed at the table. We go to the farmer's market every Saturday morning. And I said, I hope Dr. E doesn't message me because I'm not going to have my phone. I knew I'd be back by one. However, I don't take my phone. There are certain times throughout the day that I don't take my phone anywhere with me. And when you do that, you really can start to understand your thoughts. We're so used to phones. That's the normal now, right? We're so used to phones that we don't have our own thoughts anymore. We're either looking at Facebook or we're playing games or we're talking to somebody. Just think about it. When is the last time you sat alone with your thoughts other than when you go to bed and now your thoughts are racing through your head? But that's not really productive. That's just you trying to fall asleep, right? But when's the last time you just sat alone with your thoughts or left your phone somewhere and had a good time with your family? I see far too often and it pains me. Families sitting at a restaurant or families this morning like out in the farmer's market and their kids are running around and they're just looking on their phones. It's like, man, you got to put the screen away for a little bit. Yeah, my wife goes to the playgrounds with our baby and she comes back and that's what she's just like. All these kids are just running around and they're jumping and they're pushing each other and they're going to hurt themselves. And I was, or and their parents there and they're like, shit, yeah, but they're on their screens. They're on their phones. They couldn't care less. They're like scrolling Instagram. I'm like, wow, we really got to work because that's the normal. And that's one of the things that I always, always, always emphasize a lot here in the show. And again, it doesn't matter what we're talking about. It's about you have to not be normal. Normal is what's gotten us obese. Normal is what's gotten us into this healthcare crisis. You really have to figure out that what everyone's doing, or you have to realize that what everyone's doing is not helpful and you need to really take the steps to be different. Not for the sake of being different. Like I said, it's also not that cliche of, oh, be different and be yourself. No, it's about if this is what society as a whole is doing and it's clearly not serving us, I need to do things differently. So I think that's what's so important. Now, switching gears a little bit, many of our listeners are parents. 
So many of them have got kids, either young teenagers or even college age kids. You teach resilience to athletes. Why is it so important for us parents to be teaching resilience to our kids? You just hit on my favorite thing to talk about. And I'd like to start that out by saying words have meaning. And I tell my son every morning, his name is Nolan and I call him Noli. I say, Noli, you get to wake up now. You get to go to school today and learn. And daddy gets to go to work and make that money. And at first, you know, he would be, he's three now. And so he would say, no, no. But now slowly and slowly every day, he says, daddy, I get to go to school, right? Words have meaning. If you teach your kid, you have to go to school today, your kid's going to wake up and think, I have to go to school today. If you come home and you're talking to your spouse and you're like, yeah, I had to work today and so-and-so said this to me and this happened, they're going to see that and they're going to relate their school and they're going to relate when they grow up. They're going to relate that. They're always going to think back to how their parents acted. And so what do you think that's doing to children? They're going to think, I have to go to school. Or when they do graduate college and get a job or go straight into the workforce, they're going to fall into that same, I got to go to work. And this person said this and this person said that. But as parents, to teach resiliency, if we teach our children, hey, you get to go to school today and I get to go to work. And when we come home, you can complain behind closed doors, right? But in front of your children, say, I had such a great day at work today. Don't say, hey, love, this person really got under my skin at work today because, again, your children are going to see that. And it's important to teach our children resiliency because they are coming in a whole new day and age. I'm 36. I don't know how old you are. I'm a millennial, but I still remember having to go outside and play. I still remember before cell phones and I remember before all this. And children now are coming into a complete different day and age and they have been every generation. But they're coming into an age where resiliency isn't really a big factor. They're being taught from the time they were little, you're going to be taken care of. Don't worry about it. They need to know. Life's going to turn around and bite you sometimes. Following your example, they're growing up with everyone telling them, don't worry, you're the egg and we're going to take good care of you. Yeah. And it's funny. One of the things that Gary Vaynerchuk said, he says that the problem with most of these millennials going out into the workforce or not even millennials anymore, even younger generations going out into the workforce is that they've been raised forever being told that, you know what, you're precious, you're precious, don't worry, we'll take care of you, we'll take care of you, and it's all going to be fine. And suddenly they get to the marketplace and they get real feedback from their boss who says, this is not what I wanted, you know? And it doesn't even have to be like a super rude boss who's like insulting them or screaming at them. Somebody just says, this is not what I wanted, you have to do it again then it's like, oh my God, he hates me and it's awful and I I suffer because they never learned. They were raised in that way. And I think it's incredibly powerful if we're aware of the words that we're using and how we're acting in front of them. Yeah, it is. It is incredibly powerful. Like you said, how we're acting in front of them. How are you acting in front of your children? Because your children are going to want to be just like you. My son, it is, I love it. He wants to do everything I do. He is a daddy's boy through and through. And so if I show him an example of a non-resilient person, how do you think he's going to grow up, right? But if I show him, hey, I'm someone, and he's only three, and I try my hardest to talk to him like an adult at even only three years old. I'm not trying to raise him up quicker than he should, but I still try and talk to him and say, hey, I understand this happened. And you got in trouble because of this. I don't 
sugarcoat it. I don't baby him. When it's time to be a disciplinary, I'm a disciplinary. But then I say, how are we going to fix it? And how are we going to move forward? And he really doesn't fully grasp it, but he tries to explain. And that's what's important is teaching our kids, how are we going to move forward? How are we going to fix it? You get to go to school today. I get to go to work today. Words have meaning. And it's everything that we say to our kids. And it's everything we say to our significant others when our kids are listening is what's important. Absolutely. That's so important because we can tell them, we can say to them as much as we want, but if we're not being careful and number one, how we act, how we treat ourselves and how we treat the people around us, then that's also what they're going to learn. And that's also what they're going to start soaking up. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'm sure that every parent who's listening to this they want what's best for their children and they want to raise them strong and they want to prepare them and they want to give them best opportunities. But a lot of the times we don't realize as parents, if we're being, I don't want to say hurtful, but if we're not doing the best for them and we're really not helping them in the long run, sure. In the short run, it might be better because, oh, it's okay. He's just a kid, right? He just wants to play. It's okay. Children will be children and so on. But when we look further down the road, like before this interview, you and I were talking about your son's napping schedule. He's three, he's still taking naps. And I thought, wow, that's great. I really hope Shavi, when he gets to be three, he's still taking naps. And what did you say? Well, we were very specific about his sleeping schedules when he was growing up and now he learns it. My wife, she is a wonderful mother and I'm not taking anything from her in terms of her great motherhood, but it's just like I tell her, like you were saying, oh, they're just children, right? And that's what I tell my wife. He'll do something and I'll punish him for it. And, you know, our punishment is normally timeout, which isn't a big one, but for him, it's a big thing, right? And it means a lot to him because he doesn't get it very often. And my wife will say, well, he's only three. And I'll say, well, you're going to be saying that until he's 16. What happens when he's 16? You're going to say, well, he's only 16. We have to let our children know, right, at a young age that there is a disciplinary and we, the parents, are it. And we also have to show them that we're not disciplining you for no reason. We're disciplining you to teach you how to be resilient in a world that around you may seem like is falling apart, but you can do it when you grow up. Absolutely. I could not agree more. So what are your top two or three things that you would suggest people, our listeners, start doing today to build first their own resilience and then be able to instill resilience in their family? Because also this is something that you need to be building and working up on yourself at the same time as you're really doing it for everyone else. You cannot just be trying to build up your child's resilience when nighttime comes and you break your diet and you drink more than you should and you're doing all these things that you said you wouldn't do. So what would be your top two or three things, super starter, super simple things that people can start doing so they can start building up their resilience? Yeah, two we already talked about. One is goal setting. I'm a firm believer in goal setting and however you want to set your goals, figure it out. But it's important that we set goals and your goals can change. So the goal that I set for myself a year ago is not the same as the goal that I set six months ago. Our goals can change and that's fine, but have something to work towards. Set a goal. Two, words have meaning. When you wake up in the morning, don't wake up and say, I have to go to work today, right? Trust me. I know that it's easier said than done. For the first six months of me doing this, I would wake up and I'd say, I got to go. No, no, no. I get to go to work. And I still didn't even feel like I really got to go to work. 
But after about six months, I started waking up and saying, I get to go to work today, right? Words have meaning and that power of self-persuasion. For some, it could take a month. For some, it could take six months to a year. I don't know. But that power of self-persuasion really starts to kick in. Anything that you would normally say, I have to do, I have to go to the grocery store. No, I get to go to the grocery store because I get to provide for myself and my family, right? We take so many things for granted. So take that word have to just completely out and replace it with get to. And that's okay if you say I have to and then say, wait, no, no, I get to. And eventually you'll get to. On Monday mornings, everybody's always grouchy and they say, hey, how are you doing? I'm, I'm living, blah, blah, blah. I will tell you, Monday mornings, people don't even ask me how I'm doing anymore because I'm too motivated for them. They used to say, hey, good morning, how you doing? And I'd say, I'm doing great. It's Monday morning. I get to start my week today. It's my favorite day of the week. Did I really believe that at first? No, <laughs> not at all. But through the power of self-persuasion, eventually I seriously love Monday mornings. I get to set the tone for the rest of my week on Monday mornings. And Finally, the third thing is what I call the easiest hard thing to do. So if you want to get out of autopilot and you want to live resilient, take a cold shower, take multiple cold showers. I'm not going to get into the benefits of cold showers. Makes your hair softer, makes your skin softer, helps build optimism, all kind of great things, right? But to get out of that autopilot, to get out of your comfort zone. And let's take the loss of a loved one, for example. When we have the loss of a loved one, it's human nature. We're going to want to feel sorry for ourselves. We're going to want to feel down. We're going to miss that other person. For a long time, we want to stay in that grieving process. But honestly, what is that grieving process doing for you if you overextend it? So you take a cold shower, you force yourself for that little bit of time to get out of that grieving process, and it will help you eventually get over it faster. You cannot stop the optimism of a cold shower. You get in a cold shower, the endorphins start going, the adrenaline starts pumping. I take cold showers and I still dread the cold shower when you hop in there. It's just something that a cold shower will do. And it's not just the loss of a loved one. If you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling down, if you feel like you need a boost for whatever reason, if you're an alcoholic and you think I need a drink, no, you don't. You need a cold shower. Hop in that cold shower. It forces you to breathe deep from the diaphragm. So you're breathing in tons of clean oxygen. The second that cold water hits your skin, your adrenaline is pumping. By the time you get out of that cold shower, you feel amazing. Now, it does suck at first, right? It is not the greatest feeling. But by the end of it, you are thinking, I'm so glad I did that. I feel boosted. I feel pumped. I'm ready to go. So take a cold shower. It'll help you get out of autopilot. I know it takes a little bit of working up to, but just try it and you'll love it. I promise. Yeah. Plus it has so many other benefits at a cellular level and it promotes regeneration of mitochondria and it can even help people lose fat, especially the cold therapy, they call it. And you just fill your bathtub with ice and ice water and hop on it for a little bit. And that second step of resilience, let's call it that. I love your first three tips. I think if I can just add something to the goal setting, because this is something that people sometimes get fixated on. Goals not only can change, like you said, but you don't necessarily need to achieve it in order for that goal to have served you for a certain amount of time. So for instance, for a long time, how many of us wanted to be astronauts? And that's what's really got us to study our math and our physics. And suddenly it was like, oh yeah, well, that's not going to work. But it served you for that time because you did have that goal. So it is the same thing. 
having a goal does not necessarily mean that you're signing a contract that now I'm going to get this and I'm going to start paying for it right now. Getting a goal or setting a goal is just saying, this is the direction that I want to go to. And this is the beacon that's going to guide my decisions until I decide to change the beacon. That's it. Until it's no longer serving me. Exactly. It's perfectly okay for your goal to change. It's perfectly okay for you not to meet a goal. That's fine. Just if that does happen, right? Create a new goal. So you said, and I'll touch on it really quick. You said we need to have clear goals. Clear goals is one of the goal setting techniques that I teach in my resiliency workshop. C-L-E-A-R. It's an acronym. I'm not going to go over the entire thing, but the C in my clear goal stands for concrete. And why concrete? Because concrete is hard. Concrete is very time lasting. However, if need be, you can get that jackhammer and you can go in there and you can break that concrete, but it needs to be for a reason. So it's concrete. It's really hard. It's something you're going to work towards. However, if a new goal comes up and it changes everything, it's fine to go in there, break that concrete, relay the foundation. That's okay. But we need to have that concrete goal in the beginning. Perfect. Great example. And speaking of which, are these workshops something that just everyone can do? I know that you work mostly with collegiate athletes, but are these workshops something that somebody listened to us right now? Say like, oh, you know what? Maybe I need someone to guide me to this. Well, yeah. So I haven't done it on an individual basis, mainly just at colleges. But if you have a question, by all means, you can email me. One thing that I tell all the collegiate athletes I talk to I'm not here to teach and go away. I teach and I stay. So I still get emails all the time from people that I've talked to that are maybe feeling down or they need a boost or, hey, what was the clear goal thing again? And so by all means, you can email me at closer to the whole 18 at gmail.com. It sounds like it's spelled closer to the whole 18 at gmail.com. Shoot me an email. Ask me a question. I'm an open book. I can help you out in any way I can. There you go, guys. Closer to the whole 18 at gmail.com. You can shoot him an email and ask him any follow-up questions to this episode. And where else can people find you? Yeah, closer to the whole.com. Everything is literally closer to the whole. I'm on Facebook, closer to the whole, Instagram at closer to the whole. So I'm not hard to find. <laughs> well, if I had known that everything was closer to the whole and golf related with you, we would have planned for this to be episode 18, but unfortunately it is not. No, no, that's fine. It's the whole point of closer to the hole is uh, where it came from was I play golf with my friends and my friends would always get frustrated, but I'd always just look at them and say, Hey, at least you're closer to the hole. And it kind of started catching and everybody liked it. So I just ran with it. There you go. I think it's a great name. And now that you've explained it, I think it does have a deeper, more meaningful, if it sounds that way, more meaningful meaning for everyone, especially people you work with. So, Chris, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. I think this has been a great episode, and every single person who's listened to this, there's something that they can grab and they can improve upon, and it can make them more resilient, which really what you've listened to today, what you've heard today, means that you're just going to be better at taking life, and you're just going to be better of dealing with the lows and dealing with the highs of life that we're all going to have. It's just not going to be, oh, we made it to the top and we're going to stay there or we'll make it to wherever we want. There's going to be ups and downs. And that's why it's so important to be resilient so that you are not just being flown around like a piece of paper in the wind. So Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Any parting words? No, not at all. It was a great time. Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to coming back one day. 
Absolutely. We'll be happy to welcome you back. So for everyone listening, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. This has been episode 14 of the Highway to Health show. As always, if you want to get the show notes, make sure you go over to dre.show forward slash 014014. And we're going to have links to Christopher's website. We're going to have the show notes for everything that we've spoken about today, his actionable steps, and basically just contact information as well for you to get in touch with them and learn more about this. Make sure to send us your questions if you want to follow up episode. And we really, really, really look forward to seeing you here in the next episode. If you like the show, it would mean the world to us if you could go on over to iTunes and leave us a review and a rating. It really helps us get noticed and it helps us bring better shows and better guests to you. So I'm really looking forward to some of that. So without further ado, that's been the Highway to Health show. Thank you for listening to Dr. E's Highway to Health show, helping you learn the science of living ageless. Did you enjoy the show? Please like, share, and subscribe where you listen to podcasts. Dr. E wants to hear from you. Go to dre.show. Again, that's dre.show. Until next time, this is Dr. E's Highway to Health, helping you live ageless.